Good morning. Welcome Highland Community Church online and at the other campuses. Let's ask God to guide our time. Father God, we thank you for this day. You tell us this is the day that you have made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you for this Christmas season, Advent, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the greatest coming until the second coming, the first being your son, fully God taking on humanity, being born of a virgin, being born in Bethlehem, and then living a perfect life and laying down his life as a payment of our sin, and then rising again to conquer death, offering eternal life for all of us who believe by faith and receive your Son as Savior and Lord. Father, give us hearts of joy in the Advent season. And Father, give our community strength, our community, our country, our world, as we continue to see loved ones sick. We pray for our caregivers, the doctors and nurses, the technicians, those who go to work in a wide variety of jobs each and every day. Protect them. Give those who are in the hospitals, on the front lines, in that capacity, safety. And Father, we pray for our loved ones who are sick. We ask, Father, for your hand of mercy and grace upon them. We pray for wisdom, or we pray for wisdom for those who care, whether family or medical personnel, for those who have fallen sick to the virus. And Father, give our leaders wisdom. Lord, again we ask, guide our time. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Some of you may have heard of the name Sarah Winchester. She was the wife of Wiz William Winchester, who gave us the Winchester gun, the gun that won the West. You may know that William died in 1882. He died of tuberculosis, and his widow then moved from New Haven, Connecticut, to San Jose, California. As many who would grieve, she was beside herself with her loss, and unfortunately, she did the unthinkable. She turned to a medium, a spirit guide, who promised that she would be able to interact with her deceased husband. I don't believe that that is true, and based on Scripture, I believe that the spirit guide, the medium, whether she or he knew it, interacts with the demonic. We are forbidden to engage in such spiritism. It is evil and wrong and sinful. Yet she did so, and the medium told her that she would go on living as long as she continued to build a house. So this educated socialite from the East who moved to the West became essentially a hermit. She bought an eight-room house on a farm, and she began to build. And she would build until her death in 1922. By the way, the spiritist was wrong. She would die. And she went on perhaps the most extravagant home renovation in American history. When she was done, 
The house was 24,000 square feet. It had 160 rooms. It had six kitchens, 13 bathrooms, 2,000 doors, 10,000 windows, 47 staircases and fireplaces, and 52 skylights. She spent over $5 million in a day and age where a laborer would earn 50 cents a day. Her renovations were the equivalent of about $70 million in 2020. And then she left materials for building for another 80 years after her death. Today, the Winchester House has been visited by 12 million people. They claim that it is haunted, that the paranormal goes on there. I don't know if that's true or not. I would avoid it. But I know this. If the paranormal is going on there, it's not the people who were felled by the gun that won the West. It is the demonic. And to fool around with the demonic is a dangerous thing. So Mrs. Winchester died. She died in 1922 with no hope. She died with no future. She died with no relationship with Jesus Christ. She will spend eternity separated from God in a literal hell. She died with no hope. And that's not what the Lord wants for any of us. He wants us to have expectation. He wants us to have a hope. He wants us to have a future. He wants us to have a relationship. To know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The morning in which I preached this message for online a couple days before Sunday... A believer in Christ that I know left this earth and went home to glory. Great is his reward. He is with Jesus. He's home. And even though he leaves loved ones behind, inexplicable pain for us, it's all gained for him. All gained. And someday he will be reunited with his loved ones who know Jesus when they too go home. All hope, all gain, all victory. I want to pick up in our text. I want to read from 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read verses 42 to 58. Listen to God's word. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in 42. So it is with a resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. Talking about my body here. What is raised imperishable when I get a resurrected body. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The first man, Adam, is the Adam from the Garden of Eden. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. Faith in him gives us life, eternal life. But it is not the spiritual that is first. We don't get the resurrected body first, but the natural, this body, and then the spiritual. The first man, Adam, was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man, Jesus Christ, is from heaven. As was the man of dust, Adam, so also are those who are of the dust, that's us. 
And as is the man of heaven, Jesus, so also are those who are of heaven. You believe in Christ, you will spend eternity with God in heaven. Just as we have been born of the image of the man of dust, we're in the image of Adam, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. We bear the image of Christ, if we know Christ as Savior. I tell you this, brothers, sisters, Christ followers, flesh and blood, this body, cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I told you uh, about a year ago in the church I pastored in Texas, verse 51 was cross-stitched and was in the nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We were really good at not taking verses out of context. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead, the bodies, will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, the mortal puts on immortality. Then shall come the past, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. That's where we live right now. And the power of sin is the law. The law demonstrates to us what sin is. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the work you do for the Lord is never in vain. It's quite obvious what Paul is doing. Paul is telling us that this is not it. This is not all we have. That all of us, believer, unbeliever, all of us are eternal. But he wants us to spend eternity with God. He wants us to make sure beyond any doubt that you, I, we have a relationship with the living God. That we understand that the second member of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, Fully God took on humanity as well. The hypostatic union, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, never sinned, died the death of a sinner on the cross. He died for us, was buried, rose on the third day, conquered death, that if we would believe in him as Savior, confess that we are sinners and accept his death as a payment of our sin and ask him to empower us to turn away from sin and towards righteousness, make him our savior, make him our Lord. We are given eternal life so that what is sown perishable will be raised imperishable. What is mortal will be raised immortal. What is natural will have a spiritual aspect to it. We look forward to that day. And we will be given power, God says, in verse 43. I think he's talking about the resurrected body. I think it's the body that I'll be able to dunk with both hands. I'll have a zero handicap in golf, which is just a few strokes lower than I have right now. Like a lot. God is giving us a resurrected body. That's why Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, that at the trumpet sound, the dead in Christ, the bodies will be raised. What is perishable will be imperishable. What is mortal will be immortal. What is natural will be sown with spiritual. What happens now? Well, right now, 
you and I have, according to the sequel of 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, we have a earthly tent. 1 Corinthians 5, 1 to 10 says, right now we have a tent and we groan. The moment in which you and I are born, we begin to decay. We have this earthly tent. And the brother who just went to the Lord, he's now naked. That's what the text says. Ooh, that sounds not good. But that's the word used. It just means that his soul spirit, one word, in the Old Testament, it's nephesh. In the New Testament, it's pneuma. The soul spirit ascends into the presence of God. It doesn't yet have the body, but it's so good. It's so good to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul says to depart and be with Jesus is far better for me to live as Christ. To die is gain. And so we groan in this earthly tent. We long to go home to glory. And then someday those souls, spirits that are with Jesus will have the body at the trumpet sound. The body will be raised and what is mortal will be made immortal. And God will reconstitute a resurrected body, a body that we read in text is of power. It's an incredible thing. Let me illustrate it this way. In 2020, as I understand it, the least expensive car that is new to buy in the U.S. is a Chevy Spark. You can get a Chevy Spark for $14,000. It may be a great car, I don't know, but it's $14,000. The most expensive, not one-of-a-kind car that was sold in the United States in the 2020 was a Pagani BC Roadster. That's a picture of mine right there. A Pagani BC Roadster, about three and a half million dollars. Whoa. And uh, it goes from zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. It has 5,800 revolutions per minute, 800 horsepower. I mean, this thing has Vossen wheels, $10,000 per wheel. And there's four of them, probably a spare as well. I know it's not pastoral, forgive me. But some people, probably not at the campus or at home in your house, but some people at Highland, they're a Chevy Spark. Just telling you the truth. But everyone who knows Jesus is going to be a Pagani, a BC Roadster, zero to 60 in 2.5 seconds. I think Paul was kind of a Chevy Spark. Onesiphorus gives us the only description physically of Paul. This is what he writes. He's bald-headed, bow-legged, strongly built, a man small in size, with meeting eyebrows. He kind of had a unibrow thing going on. With a rather large nose and full of grace. <laughs> I think he was a Chevy Spark, but not anymore. He's a Pagani BC Roadster. Upgrade. And that's what we're talking about. No wonder to depart, to be with Christ is far better, even in the state of nakedness, because you're with Jesus. And then when Jesus returns, Acts 1.11, 1 Thessalonians 4.13-18, what in Latin we call the rapture, what in Greek we call the parousia, the coming, Jesus will take the dead bodies and they'll be reconstituted. And this mortality will be raised immortal, 
that's perishable will be raised imperishable. That which is so natural will be raised spiritual. And we will be in the presence of God. Let me read again verses 50 to 54. Listen to God's word. I tell you this, brothers, sisters, Christ followers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet in that moment, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall all be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So when a Christ follower dies, immediately, insta-second, she, he, is in the very presence of God Almighty. An incredible thing. Revelation 21 Verses three and four just gives us a small glimpse of what it's like. It says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. God is physically there with us. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. The former things have passed away. Death for a believer is victory. Victory in Jesus. Victory. For a moment, I almost never do this, but for a moment I want a rabbit trail. I hope it's helpful. I'm well aware that in a church like Highland, some of you have suffered a miscarriage or multiple miscarriages. Some of you have lost a very young child, an infant, a grandchild, a niece, a nephew, a very young child. Some have had a sibling or a child that is very, very mentally handicapped, unable to grasp the gospel. And there's a passage in Scripture that I think gives us great hope. It's 2 Samuel 12. It's David and Bathsheba. They had had a relationship that was improper. She conceived and, and God brought the child home. And you remember when the child was sick, an infant, David prayed. He fasted. He wept. And then when the child left, he said, I'll no longer be fasting. And then he made this statement. The child cannot come to me, but I will go to the child. Now in Scripture, there are a number of statements made by bad people that are incorrect. And always when those statements are made, the text corrects the bad statement so that we don't end up with bad theology. But when David says, I cannot go to the child, or the child cannot come to me, but I will go to the child, there's nothing in the text to correct that theology. And so for the last 3,000 years, Jews and Christians have held on to 2 Samuel 12 as evidence that there's a special dispensation by God that allows salvation, real victory, 
for a child that is too young to understand the gospel, for somebody too mentally handicapped to understand the gospel, for a miscarried child, and that the Lord is holding that child in some day. What a day it will be. Someday, parents and grandparents and siblings who know Jesus, who go home to glory, will be reunited with that child. That will be a day of victory. So the text tells us that we who know Christ have victory. Verse 54 says, death is swallowed up in victory. What does that mean? For us, it means that we leave this world. This world is a difficult place, right? We leave this world. We're told in Romans 1 that we groan. We're told in uh, the Bible that, that, that this is a world of decay, a, a world of difficulty. We know it all too well. 2020 was a very tough year. For many of us, the toughest year of our life. For one of them, there's sickness. And there's all sorts of rancor and anger. And there's loss of job and, and loss of trust in certain parts of leadership. And, and there's a lot of anger. And we leave this earth knowing Christ. We leave it all behind. We go to a place where there's no more sorrow, no more tears, no more sickness, no more death. Those former things have passed away for a believer in Christ. It's victory. We no longer groan. It's victory. Jesus says in Revelation 25 or 21.5, Behold, I make all things new. The second reason it's victory is because the architect of where we're going is Jesus himself. I think of John 14, 1 to 6. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house in heaven, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way. And Thomas, the twin, Didymus, said, Lord, we don't even know where you're going, so how do we know the way? And Jesus made that profound gospel statement. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ by which we are saved and when we are saved, we believe in Christ. We receive him as Savior and Lord. We transfer from eternal death to eternal life. From a place with no future, no hope, eternity in hell to eternity with God in heaven. It's the Lord's desire that we believe in Christ, receive him as Savior, and spend eternity he allowed his son to pay the penalty of our sin that we might spend eternity with God. Greater love hath no man than this, that one lay down his life for another. You might do it for a good man. Jesus did it for sinners like us. That's the love of Christ. It's victory. It's victory because we no longer groan in this body. It's victory because the architect of where we're going is Jesus himself. And it's victory 
Because when Jesus returns at his coming, the parousia, the rapture and the trump sounds and the dead bodies in Christ are raised, what is perishable becomes imperishable. What is mortal becomes immortal. What is earthly becomes spiritual. We are sown by God and we are given an upgrade. We go from a Chevy Spark. Oh, come on. Some of you are already like, Subaru Foresters, or maybe Cadillacs, but you get to be a Pagani BC Roadster, zero to 60 in 2.5, 800 horsepower, 5,800 revolution per minute. Vassen tires, you get it all. Upgrade. We no longer groan. We get a, a home with Jesus created by Jesus, we even get an upgrade and a resurrected body. We get victory. I want to conclude by sharing an account that comes out of Binghamton, New York. It's not far from where I pastored in Pennsylvania, Scranton, Wilkesbury. Just north of that is Binghamton. And there was a bank that had a new headquarters and a rival bank sent them some flowers from a florist with a little note. And the note said, congratulations on your new digs. The same day, the same florist was working on a funeral and they had a beautiful arrangement and it said, our sincerest grief to you. But they switched them. And so you can imagine, here we have the new bank and their new digs, and it says our sincerest griefs for you. And then we have this funeral where someone has died, and it says, congratulations on your new digs. And we say, that's a bit insensitive. Unless, unless it's a believer in Jesus Christ, and then it's absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. Congratulations on your new digs. You're no longer groaning. You're going to the place that Jesus prepared and at the trumpet sound, at the rapture, you're going to get a resurrected body that is a BC roadster, a Pagani. No wonder Jesus says, it's victory. It's victory. Let's pray. Father God, help us to think rightly as believers about death. And Father, if some of us do not know your Son as Savior, may this be the day when each of us rightly confess, agree with you that we are sinners, and accept what your Son Jesus did on the cross. He died as a payment of our sin, was buried and rose on the third day, conquering death, evidencing life after the grave, and offering eternal life to all who receive him as Savior and Lord. May each of us know Jesus Christ as Savior. And we who know Christ, may we be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that what we do for you is not in vain. We run the race that is set before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, running well, until you call us home. 
And then, Lord, we will rejoice that we no longer groan, that we have victory in Jesus, that we have a place created by your Son, Jesus. And someday at that trumpet sound, we look forward to that resurrected body. Father, fill us with joy, expectation, hope, and confidence that your inspired and errant truth is the truth of our lives. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.